House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, you are back in the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. And uh, in the background, we have Mr. Martino in his dress playing the slots. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing here. Yeah, you know, he's had a rough day, everyone, and yes. I'm going to be mean to him because you know yes. how much I like to be mean to him. You know, he, you know, the, the, fun. the old. I think he likes it too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. he's one of those. <laughs> the old guy. Broke I'm into his, it. He broke his glasses. He broke his tooth. He's uh, yeah. He fell down in his dress when he was trying to <laughs> run across the casino when a favorite slot machine opened up. It was that old banana peel trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> Glad, glad you don't. Yeah, glad you don't have much hair. It would have been messed up. I know, it would have been terrible. <laughs> so I've done my share of being mean. So come on, send me a few more emails. I'm only, I'm down to about five emails a day on, on how mean I am. But oh, that's not good. We, we gotta wrap this up. That's why I thought I'd just jump right into it. There's a standard yeah. that this show is to be held at, and we need that's to right. make sure that we stay. <laughs> I need, I need some blood. Okay, uh, we need to get the whips out. No, but he'd like that. See, that's me. Yes. Uh, anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, so we, we're back here, and, of course, this is an, an, another great week, and um, we're ending this week uh, with um, an author. She's on the – she's on more government watch lists than anybody I know. Uh, the, the one and only – Certainly true. Yeah, Miss Nicole Fanning, how you doing? I am good. I'm good. I'm, uh, my FBI agent is watching from a uh, you know unmarked car down the street. It's fine. <laughs> what, so do you do you like um, sleep with these FBI agents or CIA or whatever? Because why why no. are they all? <laughs> well, I just that ask was... that because they make so much news about this sort of stuff going on. Well, you know, I think that they realize that they have bigger fish to fry, and like I'm really providing a service, you know. So it, it's fine. <laughs> That's what I um, meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think my husband would be upset if I provided that kind of service, so we've kind of kept that on the download. But oh, well, you know, but we do what we have to in a way. I mean, no, I that's why OnlyFans exists. Yeah. Well, and um, you've been on this show before. You knew what you were getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Beginning of the end. Speaking of, hey, so how's everything going? Like, so your 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 marriage is still going good now that you're, you know, because you're. I mean that because you're you're a big star. You're like you're a pretty girl. You got all this personality and writing books, and everyone everyone's think, oh my god, and and that. So stardom doesn't take you away. No, um, you know it's funny that uh, I think with some of that, you know, small notoriety. Um, you just kind of doubt yourself even more. So <laughs> it's like, a, you know, this circling the drain of self-loathing. You, you just get used to it, and you're like, okay, this is fine. It, you know, everything's good. <laughs> I've never got out of the drain, so I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got an agent everything, right? A publicist? My God. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fantastic. Um, it, it kind of started off really small, and when I launched the first book, I started on TikTok. I think I had, you know, maybe... 10 followers. Um, nobody cared about my videos. I wasn't funny um, and definitely not cute enough for, for TikTok and way too old. Um, and, you know, over the last year, we've seen that grow to um, over 7,000. 
um, with between the last two books. And so the success that, you know, Catalyst and Ignite have had has been mostly on the fans and the people and the readers that are reading it and then making videos about it of their own accord. So hmm. I'm just fortunate that I found my people um, and they are passionate people. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by that? Passionate. No, I mean, um, but when I get into this and you're doing TikTok, how you say you're too old. My God. Can I, you know, what am I, the great grandfather of, of TikTok? Because um, I'm, I'm pretty old. Well, I know that they refer to millennials as anyone born in the 1900s. <laughs> so, yeah, that includes, you know, old me born in the 1900s. Um, but, yeah, no, I found my people on TikTok, and I have some amazing fans, and they, you know, we decided to start a Discord, um, you know, chat rooms and, and such for their love of the books. And it's kind of just grown and gone from there. Uh, well, grown and gone from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're very passionate. They're, you know, really adamant. They, you know, recommend it all the time. And I can get on and I can sit on TikTok and say, hey, you should read my book. And this is all the reasons. And at the end of the day, still feel like as much of a used car salesman as possible. Um, and I may convince one person to read it. However, a fan, what, like reading it and really falling in love with it, it goes so much farther because, you know, they're, they're not someone that you're paying or motivating or, you know, twisting their arm to make a video for you. They're doing it because they genuinely love the story and the characters and they want more. And so I think, that authenticity is picked up on pretty fast. So, you know, having a, an agent and a community is probably the most beneficial thing that happened to me this year between the two books. So, mm -mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to try mm -hmm. that out. I, you know, I'm going to have to get on there. I guess I have to show some skin, but don't I? Definitely. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's Maybe wear a dress. Maybe that would go, you know. Maybe. <laughs> you brought mine. No, I, I'm not a dress wearer. That's that's Dave style, you know. I'm not. You know. But um, but yeah, you know. I mean, I can get Dave on there. Actually, he's got lots of time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, he kind of likes that. You know, should have filmed himself yesterday. That would have been a scene. <laughs> um, so so let's talk about this book. So ignite. Now this is book two. You know, Heart yeah. of Inferno, book two. Um, yes. Again, whenever I talk to someone that's writing kind of a, a series of a book, you know, like, a, you know, characters are carried over, is this something that you've already outlined? You've already kind of know ahead of time, even when you're on book one, you kind of think in what you're going to do with your characters? Or Absolutely. This, you do? Um, oh. So when I decided to make what I'm now referring to as the Mafiaverse, um, I feel like if Marvel can make, you know, Marvelverse and we can have Mafiaverse. Um, <clears throat> I had actually, I planned for 14 books total in this series. Um, however, these four, Catalyst, Ignite, Flashpoint, and Embers, they are like the canon. They're like the meat, the main course. Um, and the other 10 books will be from different perspectives of side characters we've met in these novels. So we'll get the same community, but much like a, a miniseries or a TV show, you're getting the perspective of different characters and their backstories as well. Um, but I 
am such an OCD type, like control freak that I knew that I knew where I wanted it to start and I knew where I wanted it to end. And so each of the books has been mapped out individually, but they're all part of like a giant ultimate plot spine, if you will. Um, and when I sit down to write each individual book, I kind of do the same mentality. So I'll say, okay, let's start with throwing arbitrary number 45 chapters. I will map out what I want, like the main scene in each of those chapters, since we have the perspective switching every other chapter between Jackson and Natalie, um, which also makes it fun for both, you know, for everybody to read, not just, you know, women wanting to swoon over Jackson. There's a full mystery, there's a full plot, there's, you know, it's a thriller as well as being a romance. We want to make sure that we're delivering all those elements and that the story is taking, you know, it's going where I want it to go. So each one of those chapters is mapped out and, you know, then there, that whole book is part of that bigger spine as well. But I feel like when you have a really secure plot in your head, um, that helps you have really secure characters. And when you have that, then you can really, like, get into the mindset of, like, okay, who's talking? How would they be talking? What would they be saying? Um, so you have your, like, funny characters. You have your sarcastic. You have your terrifying. Um, and they all kind of just vary. And, yeah, it's all part of that big old world. Your character, Jackson, that's a cool name, too. But Jackson Pace, you know, he's like the Don Supreme, you say, of Chicago's underground. Yeah mafia syndicates right and he takes a bullet for the you know the girl he loves and all this so when i when i read this right away the first thing i think of is you know jackson pace um he's probably very tall handsome good looking and he's definitely got big cock energy <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah you know. um mm-hmm. I'm, well, yeah, I'm but but sure. you know this is this is this is good for me. I'm, fine. I'm sure it is, Alex. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but but well, what I'm trying to get at is okay. So you've got this character that is the, you know, he's you know tall, handsome, billionaire. He's a mafia guy. He's just got yeah. it all, right? He, he's got it all. Um, do you find that that's really um, important to have have your character be like that rather than be someone like let's say? Well, Actually, that's a really good point. Well, yeah, because, you know, today's date, right, there's so many people that, especially younger generations, and that's fine, it's cool, they're very um, body conscious and they want to be very pro uh, people's bodies and their looks, no matter what, right? right? So there's a lot of that correctness going on, which is fine. So I just wonder, um, is is that something you'll ever see happening in, in your type of writing, or is this something that you have to stick to? So I would say, and that's a, that's a very interesting question, um, because, yes, Jackson is all of those things. However, um, aside, like, from the sporadic occasional mention of, like, his eye color or, you know, his stature or, like, the fact that he had tattoos going down his left arm um, when they finally do get to, like, the steamy scene, um, you know, it's – I make more of the emphasis on the escapism provided in my books Like, I feel like real life is real life. We'll just put it that way. And so when people read, they want to escape. And sometimes when you are the author and, yeah, you see something in your head, you want to convey it to your readers. However, the reader, you could have four readers in a room and they could each see Jackson differently. In fact, they will all see him differently. Um, So 
I put more of the emphasis on the interaction, the the way he talks, what he says, what he's thinking, than really going into detail about like, yes, we know he's good looking. We occasionally know that he's good looking when we're reminded. But aside from that, like, I don't usually talk about like the skin color or ethnicity of the characters minus like the brief introduction to them, because I want my readers to be able to imagine and see them however they want. Now, is it pretty normal for people of romance novels to, yes, go with the tall, handsome, six foot four, you know, I crush rocks with my head kind of guy? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, is he necessary? Maybe not. Uh, because, again, once we get into his character and how he behaves himself, it, it's that is what I think the readers become more attracted to than how he physically looks. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's true in real life. It, it, in in my sixty years, I've I've met tons of people that are, you know, fine looking. But as you get to know their personality, they become more attractive. absolutely, absolutely. That brings it to the point of so it's okay for me. You know, I'm I'm reading the romance, and you want to have all that stuff. So it's okay for me. I'm from an old generation, so I expect my um, male char- character to be, you know the rock or whatever you know someone someone you know that's got it all but i just wonder if you think do you do you notice anything with the younger generations looking for something different or not necessarily again like i feel that there's less of an emphasis on those things um i think that we you know in in a great way are moving from you know seeing the world from our ethnicity and background into like the colorful nature that it actually is. Um, And that's, you know, as I'm creating this mafia Don who is part of this underworld and obviously he's international and has connections all over the world. He would be part of this big colorful cast of characters. Um, So not everybody in my books looks the same, you know, that just based on like size and looks and like ethnicity and that kind of thing because they're part of this colorful, diverse, complex world, and, you know, that's the world that we want them to be in. So, yeah, I feel like there are writers who specifically make their main characters unattractive. Like, it's like a thing, you know, like where they do have the the other, whoever the love interest is falling in love with the personality of the character versus, like, the looks of the character. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really exciting and amazing. And again, when you are reading something, you still imagine them however you want. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably still a little bit in the old fashioned realm, but we are moving to being more body conscious and less about the physical appearance and more about the quality of someone's character. Well, I was wondering what you think draws readers to uh, romantic suspense, uh, to that genre in general. Oh, the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> the bad boy, you know, Jackson is uh, in in the books. He's cut off from the world. He's ruthless. You know, he's not a complete monster, but if you cross him, you're probably not walking away from it. Um, and when he meets Natalie, it's kind of like he it's like awakening a part of him that he never really had before. Now, he is a single father and he did have a relationship prior and that we learn about in Catalyst. Um, and, you know, she unfortunately died. So since then, but even that relationship was different from when he met Natalie. And so he kind of woos her in like the old traditional sense versus like what's really typical for the genre 
Um, in mafia thriller romances, you typically see what, you know, what I can consider one of three things. Either she saw something she shouldn't have seen, so she's, you know, a hostage, and she falls for him via Stockholm Syndrome. Or, you know, it's an arranged marriage with her mortal enemy to, you know, unite the families, and there's all this drama. Um, or it's just a matter of, you know, forced interaction and dubious consent. Um, and that's kind of why mafia romance gets that dark uh, reputation. So when I started writing it, and I, you know, remember watching some, I want to say it was like 365 Days that was on Netflix, and I was like, this would be such a good story, and I would be swooning over this character so much more than I actually am, except for the fact that he kidnapped her, and he's holding her against her will and giving her 365 days to fall in love with him. And, like, he's rich, good-looking, handsome, you know, he knows his way around a really good turn of phrase to, you know, melt someone's <laughs> business. But it, it just, that part just, like, was weird with me. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll find something else. And it was just really consistent that those those three concepts just kept coming up in Mafia Romance. So I wanted it to be more of, like, that traditional, you know, he woos her, he romances her, he wins her. Um, and then at the end of Catalyst, like, he has the ultimate sacrifice and he takes a bullet for her. Um, and, you know, Ignite kicks off with a bang. Um, if Catalyst was PG-13, Ignite is... Far beyond that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, now we're talking. Yes, for okay. content, obviously the theme, but also just like what happens in that book. You know, at this point, the relationship's established, the couple is established, but things are not going to be easy for them, um, and challenges are not going to just disappear into the night. Obviously not. So it it's a much harder book. Um, there's some really rough concepts. There's some heartbreaking scenes in that book. Um, but, again, I, I think that people are drawn to this, like, strength and that morally gray character that Jackson has. Like, they love that bad boy. They love that, you know, yeah, he does it, but he does it so that, like, I think I have the line in my book is, you know, I'm, I'm a bad man, but I keep worse men from being in charge kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of that mentality, you know, he's the, the anti-hero. But it's always the bad boy. That's that's usually the, the drawing. <laughs> so, it, it, are you married to Jackson? Then is this is this really what's happening? Um, I mean, I can't say for the you know safety of my family um, and the fact that the FBI agents down the street, the unmarked van, listening. Uh, no, but yeah. I I have my own Jackson, and uh, I always tell him. Um, we've had some really funny comments after people have read the book because some some of the scenes are uh, pretty graphic. So when people we know or family members have read these scenes, you know, and I've I've gotten some hilariously ridiculous comments about you know, like how great my husband must be, wink wink. Um, and I've I've just kind of said like you know he's the reason that I know of love fierce enough to write about. So yeah, in a way, I am very much married to my Jackson. Um, but he doesn't, you oh. know, as far as I know, Moonlight as a Don Supreme of, you know, Chicago or any other cities under my mafia. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't tell you then, would he? Uh, I mean, he would have to because I'd have to help. Like, I, you know, he can't, he can't find his AirPods, let alone, you know, where he, you know, needs to go for the meeting. So, yeah. Oh, Oh, every every Don Supreme needs a uh, what my husband refers to as domestic manager. 
So that's that's my official title. I may be author, you know, badass, whatever else I am, but I'm the domestic manager. Wow. Yeah. I see we're finding out a lot. Right. Hmm. <laughs> we're finding out a lot. This is important <laughs> stuff now. People need to hear this. They need to understand. You know, so you say, so in this one, there's some real graphic scenes. So we're, we're talking murder and sex? Yeah. Um, there's, well, okay, so yes, there's a decent amount of murder. There's a decent amount of sex. Um, but, and again, like the perspective to which those steamy scenes uh, switches. So it's not always from, you know, Natalie's perspective. Um, but there's also just like some really terrible tragedy that happens in the middle of this. Uh, and you know, there's the concept of miscarriage and, um, it's just a really hard point that the couple has to get over. So, I mean, it will, it's a roller coaster ride and it's meant to kind of gut punch you and, you know, bring to light something that happens to a lot of women. Um, but in this case, it's really traumatic and, um, it was the cause of someone else, and it's just, like, absolutely devastating. And how would a couple that's relatively brand new, so excited, you know, because she's pregnant at the start of Ignite, and she's not by the end of it. So Jackson was really excited. He's, you know, going to have a son. He's all pumped up about it. And then this happens. And it's a real, it's a real reset for the couple. And obviously they deal with that in different ways. You know, hers would be a really deep sense of grief because, you know, as the mother, you're dealing with the loss, but you're also dealing with like the physical effects. Right. Um, And Jackson's would be more anger. So if he was scary and dangerous before he met Natalie, after the loss of his son, um, he's, very scary and dangerous. In fact, that's one of the most graphic uh, torture scenes is just after that. So, yeah. Mm. So he, he goes out and picks up hookers and tortures them. No, not hookers, but, um, <laughs> the you know, the guys who were responsible for protecting the person who caused his wife to lose her baby. Oh, and he's trying to find you. her, and he's just completely disconnected and doesn't really have a whole lot of restraint at that point. So I had people message me like, where did you come up with this scene? Because it is terrifying. Um, and I need to know if I need to have supervision when we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> well, do writing those dark scenes affect you emotionally? Uh, sometimes. I mean, sometimes like it's, I'll wait until I'm really upset to write one of the <laughs> Like, if I had a really bad time in road rage and I'm like, you know, traffic was awful and I'll just be fired up and ready, I'll be like, I'm in a Jackson mood today and I'll just go right from his perspective. And I, I do tend to write, because, like, again, every other chapter switches. So, like, the odd number chapters are Natalie's perspective and the even number chapters are Jackson. And that can be really hard to switch back and forth sometimes because their personalities are so glaringly different. Um, and, you know... Natalie's a way better person than I would ever be. Um, and Jackson, I, I feel like I relate more to Jackson. I'm more of a rage monster. I know, shocking, right? Um, so <laughs> when I'm writing those dark scenes, and especially from Jackson's perspective, I'll write like three, four chapters in a row just because the energy it takes to get into that mindset and write for that character um, can be really exhausting. It's also why I, I chose to only have two perspectives. I know some people especially in mafia romance, when you have these complex families, they'll have 
you know, five to ten different perspectives in one book. And that, to me, gets really confusing because as the reader, you're switching back and forth, and it can kind of feel like all of the characters have the same voice, and I didn't want that. I wanted my female readers, um, you know, obviously I want readers of all genders, but my female readers to be able to relate to Natalie, but also so that, you know, my male readers could relate to Jackson. So it wasn't just a romance novel. Um, it was that romance thriller marriage. It was, you know, the Harlequin meets the James Patterson, the Stephen King. So I think the greatest, like, compliment I got was from my best friend's father-in-law, who was, like, just absolutely in love. And I never expected this man to pick up my book, you know, because I'm thinking, oh, it's a mafia romance. It's really girly. And he's like, the Jackson parts were terrifying, and now you scare me. <laughs> <laughs> Is your husband really alive still? Or I'm beginning to yeah, wonder. Yeah, can you nod to the camera, honey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm beginning to wonder. There maybe maybe he's yeah, I don't know. He's probably tied up in the basement somewhere. Uh, I, you know what's funny, Al, is that you said that exactly the first time we chatted about Catalina. I, I remember know. that. I don't know There's why something about... I scare you and make you think I don't even have a basement. I can't have him locked up here. It'd well, have to be at another location, you know, maybe far away. Yeah, well. You probably got it already you've got a basement but nobody knows you right. have it. Right. Wait, 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 like my, my back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a dungeon down there, right? Secret passage. Well, yeah, dungeon, but that could have so many meanings, so. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a different meaning. Yeah, don't even go there. This woman's wicked, I tell you. <laughs> but how do you, how do you write these scenes um, and know that they feel real or know that they'll sound real is what I should say? Uh, because if you're not leaving it, um, where, where do you think it comes from for you? Like, how do, how do you put this in to, so that someone can yeah. actually relate? So um, I felt like when I was, you know, when you read Mafia Romance, again, like each book that came out year after year after year, it felt like people weren't actually doing any research as to these um, organized crime organizations. They were just like regurgitating what they read somewhere else, like what this is what a mafia man would look like. You know, like, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. And they're wearing, you know, they have the Tommy guns and the sidecars. And it, to me, it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to write a real, like a real life mafia story, it has to be believable. It has to make sense. You know, they have to have their own morality, their own system of judgment, how they operate. Um, and also, when we're including, as I have in my books, the different organizations. So we have a little bit of the triad. We have a little bit of the cartel. We have, you know, the different mafias around the world because there's a lot more than just the Sicilian mafia. Um, that I actually did my research on those organizations. And, you know, from either firsthand accounts of people being there or being part of it and what they saw and witnessed or, you know, just what I could pick up, you know, via research sources. But... That part was important to me because I wanted to give the different picture, not of a bunch of men who are, you know, all trying to kill each other to get to the top, but rather one that there's this deep, intrinsic sense of loyalty and honor and, you know, family, not to the government, not to any state, but to the family that they belong in. So, you know, if one of them is in trouble, the family's going to get them. If you mess with one of them, the family's coming to get you. Um, 
And so I think like that helped a bit because it was actual research. Um, and funny story, if you want to hear it, uh, I actually had someone who they said that this uh, was a family friend that had been in the cartel. Um, and they reached out to me and they were like, the way you've described it is exactly what they described. And then they were like, so are you in the cartel? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, but now I'm worried that they're going to come for me. <laughs> No, but you know, in the in the story, uh, Jackson, the way he does it is he kind of sees it like, again, like we're not getting political on this. This is just for fiction. But um, the government kind of tells everyone what they can and cannot do, whether that's with their body, you know, like with drug use, or you know, paying, getting paid to provide services, OnlyFans, that kind of thing. Um, whether we're, you know, doing those things with our bodies and whatnot, the government that we have in place tells us what is available to us. And the mafia sees that as a restriction of freedom. And so what they do in my book is they basically just provide those freedoms for people to enjoy. And so they wouldn't be involved with things in like sex trafficking or things like that, because to them, that wouldn't be a freedom of choice. It would be like slavery. So, on the other hand, though, they work with the government because, as Jackson describes, you need predator and prey. You can't have a police force and rehab programs and, you know, all these different organizations all over the city that are provided by public resource if you don't have people going to those places. So you don't have people committing crimes and you don't have people that are, you know, going to rehab. So Jackson actually has a working relationship with the powers that be that, he provides a certain level of chaos that's manageable and tangible and, you know, we'll get a mayor reelected, like, oh, let's be tough on crime. Um, but also that is where he's provided the ability to manage the underworld, the dark underbelly, um, the way he sees fit. So he also, especially in Ignite, there's a scene where this rich gentleman um, – has basically been, you know, taking advantage of this girl. And if he went to court or he did, you know, anything like that, he probably would get off. But because Jackson is judge, jury, and executioner in that sense, she gets a sense of justice, like an, an effective sense of justice. Um, and that's kind of where he has that re-conversation with Natalie because it's where she sees him actually being the Don Supreme. And, you know, he's thinking like, I'm sure I've terrified you now. And she's like, no, I get it. Like you do what you have to do so that we keep worse men in place. Well, so she's bought into it. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, he's <laughs> six foot four, handsome, has tattoos, you know, billionaire. Yeah. So if she didn't buy into it before, you know, it's okay. Babe. You know, I'm handling, I'm keeping the bad, bad men at bay. It's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's good to justify things. like Absolutely. That. <laughs> So uh, how long, so you say you've got 14 um, f stories or 14 books planned yeah. for this. Um, so is this, is this, are they aging over each year that you put a book or is this sort of a... Um, no. Yeah, that's a great question. No, it's not. Um, yeah. So these four books happen in or, you know, chronological order. Um, and then we get two prequels and then we have a handful of like backstory novels because when I sat down and mapped out that gigantic 14-book spine I was telling you guys about and then all of the subsequent little spines. 
Um, I also had to make, to me, what I did was make a character Bible. So, you know, Jackson Pace is obviously the big guy. Natalie's obviously our main character. But Jackson has a, an alpha squad, a, a squad of five men who basically handle all of his business because, you know, it was also something that's contradictory to most mafia novel, novels where one guy handles everything and, you know, he's always in fear of the men underneath him. Jackson obviously knows he'll get more done if he can delegate. <laughs> so his alpha squad is really important. And each of those men are different and they have this full backstory that I wrote because I'm obsessive like that. And it plays into different parts of different books. So we have the four here in the Heart of the Inferno series. There again, canon, meat of the meal. Um, then we have the prequels. We'll have, you know, a handful of Alpha Squad novellas where we get to see their different perspectives. Um, and it's kind of cute because they'll be able to weigh in on scenes that have happened in Heart of the Inferno, but from a different perspective or scenes we didn't see. So we still get Jackson and Natalie, just in a much smaller side character capacity. Um, but, you know, then there's one more novel at least that'll be thick, like the, I would call these, these are thick girls. Um, <laughs> that'll be thick like these four. And that'll be the story that happens after Heart of the Inferno. It'll be it, it's still with that same timeline. So it's not the same timeline. It's kind of giving a comprehensive picture of everything that's happening, um, as well as, you know, kind of going down the rabbit holes just enough to satiate the senses. Yeah, we, we fi find out Jackson's gay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and that uh, Natalie never really had um, wasn't she she lost the baby, but it wasn't his anyway. Oh, uh, well. No, that, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! It's one of her, it's one of his guys, one of his main guys. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm writing the sequel. I'm I'm gonna write my version. Yeah. of it. <laughs> it was an alien. Yeah, it was an alien. I feel like we've what definitely gone off road here for sure. That's, <laughs> oh, that's way well, off road. <laughs> you know. Well, you know that's all right. Keep them guessing, yeah. right? Oh, you Um. Well, that's interesting. So, when as you're writing now, so you've got two done. I guess you're working on the third. Yeah. But when you look back, I, does it actually? Hmm, how do I say this? Does it doesn't it actually change you and your perspective once you finish the book? Oh my God, yes. Um, one, I feel like it. It's never. I don't know. It could always be better, but I think that's something authors struggle struggle with, regardless. Um, is always thinking like, oh, I wrote this and it's amazing. And then someone tells you how amazing it is. And you're like, oh, it could have been more amazing. <laughs> hmm. um, but no, it, it's, it's really satisfying. And it's kind of shocking because I always wanted to be a writer. And I know everybody says that when they're an author. And, but I, I actually meant it. I just, I grew up in a, in a household where like that, that wasn't a real thing. Other people could be authors, but hmm. you know, they wanted me to make sure that I had a real job, whatever that meant. Um, I think it just means, you know, suffering through some form of indentured servitude to the retail industry and, you know, being happy about it. But it, yeah. I, my parents, yeah, they never like really looked at it as uh, that's a career. So I didn't really put any like real thought into it. I would have these ideas and I would, you know, kind of just daydream and plan out these gigantic worlds in my head. But I was like, that's, you know, it's never going to go anywhere. So when the pandemic happened and I suddenly found myself with like all this time um, and it was either like learn to knit 
or, you know, maybe write something. I was like, okay, well, I'll just write this for fun and send it to my friends. And when I did and I got the feedback, they were like, you, you have to publish this. Like, your brain came up with this? Like, not that they were being insulting, but it was like, they couldn't believe how, how deep it was going and, like, the twists that were in Catalyst were, they're, they're pretty twisty. So they were just like, oh, my God. So I took a chance on it, and I had no idea what I was doing, guys. Like, I, brand new author, I think I had 200 friends on Facebook and 10 friends on TikTok, and that's who I told. I told 300 people that I wrote a book. Um, and from there, it's it's grown so much. And... I, I'm just very grateful because as much as I think like it's my story, like it's the love people have for my story that have made it what it is. So is there, is there the use of hot dripping wax on bodies in this? No, because like I'm too, I'm okay. too OCD for messy stuff like that. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I'm just no, but I, that's, it could a, be that's a great in, question. In um, or, you, know, you know, I, when I did start this, I, I did want, uh, I read Fifty Shades of Grey. I did. Um, I found myself personally, although I enjoyed maybe the first couple steamy scenes, I found myself skipping them in each book because I just wanted to know, like, the romance or the plot that was happening, as small as it was. Uh, and I just wanted to hear the plot. And so I said, okay, well, she obviously did, like, the 70-30 split where it was, like, 70% steamy and, like, 30% plot and I was like well what if I flip it what if I make like 70% plot so that you know everyone can enjoy it not just you know the housewives <laughs> um, and everyone can enjoy it and then I make that 30% really steamy um, and so that was kind of my mentality there so there is a little um, BDSM but in not in, like Jackson's not a he's not a, a dom or a master or anything like that he just in the past has dabbled so it gives him enough of an edge that he's constantly in that role. But Natalie, although quiet and, you know, not the loudest voice in the room, she's not a, she's, she's not a submissive. We'll put her that way. So. No, she's a nurse. No, she is a nurse. And she saves, she saves their asses as much as, like, he saves her. And so she really gives us this sense of, like, um, in, in Ignite, for example, they give her the title of Regina Vestra. It's like a big moment. It's my favorite moment personally, you know, which means Queen of Hearts in Latin. And it's a big thing in their mafia world, and it's an honor. Um, and she is their Regina Vestra. And to be the Regina Vestra to the Don Supreme, like, you have to be a badass. You have to be willing to, you know, pull your boots up and do some work. And she does. So she's not a, a quiet little wallflower. Um, but she's also not a, you know, boisterous bull in a China shop kind of person either. So, you know, they're, they're a good fit and they, that comes out in the bedroom too. <laughs> but there is, there is a, a rating difference between Catalyst and Ignite. And I was very gentle with that. So like Catalyst is a bit of a slow burn, um, meaning there's like 45 chapters. And I think, you know, there's a little bit that happens in between, but like the real, Meat and potatoes happens, and I don't know why I keep referencing meat. I'm sorry. So she doesn't. She just doesn't. She's not even wearing panties, and it. it um, it kicks off in like chapter three. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it and it goes and like a hundred miles an hour all the way into Flashpoint, which is coming out in the spring. So I told my readers, I'm like, look, 
I know that I kind of started you off gently in vanilla in Catalyst. Um, Ignite is not that. Uh, Ignite is like if you threw dynamite into a volcano kind of thing. Uh, and Flashpoint, true to, true to its name, is even more so. Because originally the four books were the four stages of a fire, like scientifically. So you'd have the Catalyst, and then you'd have the Ignition, and then you'd have the Flashpoint, which would be the hottest point of the fire, um, and then you'd have, like, the decay or the embers. So I'm a dork with stuff like that, and <laughs> it, it kind of goes in that order. So, yeah, it, Catalyst is probably a PG-13-er, and Ignite is definitely R, and Flashpoint is um, Triple X. Yeah, probably best to read <laughs> at home alone with some wine. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you you actually said that like the steamy scenes themselves can slow the plot down. Yeah, they they can. So you have to, and they also can get repetitive. Um, and one thing mm. I said was, I'm like, I'm not as easy as writing just steamy scenes would be. Um, they're super repetitive. Like, how many times is he going to say, oh, yeah, baby girl, like, over and over and over? <laughs> and so you want to make sure that they're they're relevant to the story and that they're unique in some way. So I said, I'm like, I'm not going to write sexy scenes. I will give the illusion that those scenes are happening. Like, there's kind of a, a an illusion to, like, an elevator scene um, where, like, it, the book, it has, like, a, a mini fade to black where, like, it's starting to happen and then we change chapters and perspectives and um, talk about what had just happened, but I'm not going to just throw it in there for the sake of, you know, drama fodder or filler and <laughs> funny, um, but <laughs> I wanted them to be relevant and unique and exciting um, and move the story along. So we get in and get out quickly. I'm not going to go on for pages. pages. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but do, you, do you try to tell a story with those uh, with the steamy scenes themselves? Yes. Is it like an actually encapsulated story unto yes, itself? absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, my, my readers have uh, wanted to throw the cross the book a room. Wow. Throw the book across the room <laughs> in each of the books because there's like a, it's about to happen and then it doesn't happen scene and like something big mm -hmm. happens and they have to go deal with that. Kind of like if you're like playing a video game and you're about to go fight the big bad and then you find out you can't fight the big bad. You got to go find some stupid you know, sword in a, like, you know, another town and do some quests, like that kind of thing. Um, and so the, the scenes, again, relevant, moving the story along, but very uh, little stories in themselves as well. Hmm. You got something in the oven? Do I? Yeah, I mean, I heard oh, a thing. I thought... That's not the question you should be asking while we're talking about CPT. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, not well, that you I know of or am planning on. Um, I'm happy with just well, my fur dogs for the moment. Uh, yeah, 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 easier to. Um, <laughs> and, and don't knock knitting. Hey, knitting groups are the big thing. I, I did learn to knit um, as well. But you see, you see all these all these people going around, and and uh, husbands are going around in knitting groups and meeting in coffee shops and, and knitting. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. I I, yeah. I saw I've seen very that. popular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I I learned to knit. Um, I think in the beginning I was like, okay, well, if the world is ending, like I might need to knit our clothes, so I should know how to sew, and I don't have any real <laughs> skills. Um. <laughs> And I've always I've always <laughs> joked with my husband about that. Like, if there was a zombie apocalypse, just let me get bit. 
I, I don't want to be one of the survivors. I don't want to be someone who remembers a time that I had air conditioning and McDonald's and all of those things. And I'm living in the woods, you know, hunting for squirrels. I don't want to do that. Um, so, oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm like, just let me get bit and then I'll be a zombie and I won't care and it'll be fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I was like, I need to know some skills because I don't have any skills. Like, I don't know how to farm. Uh, I don't, I don't know anything. So I'm like, I can learn to knit. Yeah. That would be my skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't call. You can't call the delivery. No, no, you can't. You know, yeah, you know. David's learning his skills. Yeah. I am. Yeah. What was your, what was yeah, your pandemic skill, David? <laughs> he's learned how to use the Instapot. Oh, oh that's right. The Instapot is Without life. blowing the house up. The Instapot is life. Yeah, that's right. He, he had it sitting for a year till I got him on it. Yes. It's true. Oh, my gosh. My husband, when we got our Instant Pot, I had to, like, slow my husband down because he wanted to, like, get rid of every appliance we had. I mean, including <laughs> the the stove. He was like, we could put a TV there. You know, like, we don't need a stove. Yeah. What do we need a stove for? Um, the, the Instant Pot was, was miraculous. <laughs> And uh, we now yeah. have an Instapot, and we have the Instapot version of the air fryer. And between those two gadgets, um, I don't know if we, we use any of our dishware, anything we got for our wedding um, anymore. It just sits there looking pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what happens. Yeah. You know, it all gets left behind. Um, well, um, I wonder, how do, how, do, how do you like people to connect with you? Then just TikTok, or do you have a website? or what's So I on? have a website. Um, it is N, as in the letter N, herownwords.com. And I am on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I don't understand Twitter, so I don't know, remember the last time I posted anything on Twitter. I'm trying to get into Twitter. Again, I'm an elder millennial, um, and I probably should <laughs> know how to use Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter's a little different, but you know, just just put put everything yeah, on there. Yeah, Come on, I know, do the same thing. Just share. It's <laughs> tough. Um, well, and, you, so uh, and you can get so, my books on Amazon, and they are uh, also on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, they're actually free. Well, you know, and and I'll tell you, you know, if they don't buy Ignite, um, if there's nothing else before the end of the world, they've got to buy this book. I I really think that's true. Um, you can, right. I've I written mean. Ignite and I will write books in a series this way because I believe it's important. Um, some people don't always understand that a book is the second or the third in a series. So if you're dropping someone into it and they just pick up Ignite, um, there's enough there that they could understand what's going on. Um, I mean, I would recommend that they read Catalyst because I think it gives you like the full story. But if you are someone who really just wants that spice, you can pick up Ignite and, again, like, know enough to go through the whole book. Um, but, yeah, I, I mm. think Ignite, in my opinion, you know, you're not supposed to have author favorites, but I have an author favorite, and it's Ignite. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course. Well, what, so who do, you, who do you like yourself? Like, what do you read? What is... What does Nicole Fanning read when she's not uh, writing? Um, so, again, I'm a big James Patterson fan. Love Stephen King because um, I, I like the horror, scary stuff, too. And, but, you know, my I still love all the fantasy stuff. And I think part of what made me want to create this gigantic Mafiaverse was, you know, your George R.R. R. Martins, your J.K. Rowling's, you know, your Tolkien, like all of that. 
where they created these big complex worlds and complex characters and little like Easter eggs dropped throughout the books. Those are all things that you'll find in mine um, because I just admired the way that they could tell a story. I could read the whole story and then read it again and discover a bunch of stuff I didn't pick up on the first time. Um, and so mine are very similar to that as well. But I, I just love authors that allow me to actually escape. Um, yeah. And my books too, right? Of course. Always. Of course. <laughs> You're always supposed to mention the host. Of course. Yes. No, they're amazing. And they're Changed your life. They're on my bedside table right now. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah they're in their bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the best place to read. Yeah, yeah. But they're not used to read. Um, <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Terrible, terrible. Are you ever going to do a different type of series then? Are you, like, cause this yes. is all one series, 14 books type thing, and whatever it ends up being. Are you going to go to a completely different type of, of story or series or something? I actually, I have two, um, ideas right now for like afterwards. I have a, a sm much smaller Omega Verse trilogy that I'd like to do. So, you know, that's like the shifters and, um, werewolf, like a fantasy type aspect. Um, but I also, it's funny that you mentioned like the attractive, like main character always being a reoccurring theme. A friend, me and a friend were talking about how it would be really interesting to have like a realistic kind of love story where the character isn't initially attracted to the main character. Um, but because of like his personality and dedication and all those things, like she does fall in love with him. So we don't get the rippling muscles and the Greek God and, um, you know, his hair smells like, like pine and woods, <laughs> but you know, that would be a fun kind of like rom com -y thing to do too. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a couple plans for that. Um, but I, I live and breathe this mafia verse right now. So I'll probably be in here for the next couple, couple years at least. <laughs> well, you're, you're really into the, uh, the whole mafia verse sort of thing. So you, um, how is it going to be to let go of these characters? Oh, I don't know if I ever will. Um, Several, several of the scenes that are in these books were actually, uh, like, things I dreamt of. And I, like, woke up and was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, like, there's a scene where, in the beginning, in Catalyst, Jackson doesn't give the best impression. Um, Natalie saves his daughter, and, you know, she's expecting him to be grateful. But, you know, nobody does anything for free in his world, so he's suspicious. And he's kind of a jerk. So in order to apologize to her, he tries to send her flowers, and she refuses them. So I had this dream where it was just like a, like a big room just covered in flowers. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, my God, that would make such a great scene because Jackson being Jackson and this, like, stubborn, no, like, I get my way all the time, um, would start sending her flowers every hour on the hour. And so she leaves with her cousin to just go out and, you know, enjoy Chicago, and she comes back after telling the front desk lady, like, no, I don't want his apology or his flowers. Um and it's his hotel, so he's there all the time, too. And she walks in the lobby, and the entire lobby is just covered in these white roses, each with a bouquet with, like, a note on them. It's like, you know, two, like, basically two Natalie from Jackson. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. And then she's like, okay, okay, I will accept his apology. I will have dinner with him. <laughs> oh. And he's, you know, just so stubborn with that. And that was a scene that kind of came to me in my dream. So they're infecting my regular life. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and my yeah. sleep. 
but you know, it might have been better just if he sent her a vibrator or something. <laughs> Honestly, probably more effective. Um, <laughs> you know, straight to the point. You know, and then he person... asked her to use it on him. <laughs> well, it, you know, the flowers end up being funny because her cousin is getting married, and they get told by the florist that we can't do your your floral arrangements because we don't have any white roses anymore. And she's looking around the lobby like uh, they're all here. So what do you mean you don't have any white roses? So it, it it's just, like, funny. But yeah. it, very Jackson. It's very Jackson move. Well, there you go. See, see, we've learned a lot again. Yeah. You know, every time we talk to someone, we do. But I mean, nothing like we get from Nicole here. Oh. And whatever you I do. I know I'm your favorite. So. Yeah, and, and don't cut her off in traffic. No. Definitely no. not. I don't yeah. have my road rage bell anymore. I threw yeah. it out the window. So. Well, not only that, she'll go home and write some torturous scene. <laughs> Actually, you probably should cut Nicole off in traffic so that she does have more material to write. So. Well, not, yeah, I tell you, never ends. Well, um, it's certainly been fantastic. Um, what can I say? Uh, it's never Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it, as always. Um, you know, when Nikki invited me back with you guys, I was like, I love them, of course. Yeah, and you so, keep it interesting, and you don't ask the same rhetorical uh, questions anymore. No. Yeah, no, no, no it's no. great. great. I'm not, I don't want no, no, no. That you can go on. There's other. There's authors on the air, stuff like that, right? If you want to, <laughs> if you want to talk about, you want to talk about that stuff. You know that. You know. Well, again, uh, uh, the book we're talking about is Thick Night, and it's the Heart of the Inferno Book Two. Now get get on this. You're you're falling behind if you haven't had Book One, Catalyst, and now we're on Book Two, and pretty soon it's going to be Book Three. Yeah. Get on it. You know, Nicole is waiting. So, um, Nicole Fanning, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. It's been a pleasure to be here. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.